0: Hello and welcome back to the Thunder 6 podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today we are going to be going over the third preseason game. Two cuts that we have made as well as who may also be cut. So in Friday's game against the Bulls, we all know what happened on Wednesday. It was not pretty. I think we lost like 124 to 103. They were up like 27 at one point and we just couldn't fight back it really seemed different in this game and in the beginning stages it actually was kind of similar to wednesday's because in wednesday's game it was really a back and forth duel between zach levine and sga i think zach levine put up 16 points in the first quarter and sga returned fire with like 12. Really similar stuff. Zach Levine was still in the picture. He was hot in the first quarter. He toned it down a bit. I think he had like 9 points in the first quarter. Al Horford had 11 of his own. So Al Horford was going crazy. Al Horford dropped those 11 points in the first 8 minutes of the game. He was stretching the floor out. Originally in Wednesday's game, when he was missing his 3, it was way short. It was so ugly. He had a lot of touch. In this game, so it was way different. I was super confident in him. He was having, he was carrying the team on his back while he was out there. Did a really good job, and we were up two points heading into the second quarter. In the second quarter, the game completely changed, and it was for the better for us. We were just shooting three after three after three. By the end of the first half, we shot 19 three balls, nine of them hit. 47% from 3 we were blistering hot. The Bulls I guess they also thought, you know, they should return fire. They see us going off from there. They tried to uh, they tried some threes of their own. Did not work well at all for them. They were 8 for 25, only 32%. That's really what gave us our huge margin. Um we were we weren't missing from 3. I think we got to the line around 10 times in the first half to their like 2 or 4. They hardly got to the line. We got to the line a lot. They were chucking up too many threes. We were really consistent with it. We expanded the lead from 2 to 15. It was 64 to 49 at half. So it seemed like it seemed like a pretty comfortable lead. It, it looked like we were just going to coast. But that is not what happened. Actually, in the third quarter, things looked better for us. So, it's it seemed really we with a 15 point cushion at half seemed like we were good. Third quarter, it was a little bit of back and forth. I think we got on some run in the middle of the third. We pushed our lead to 22 points with like two minutes left in the third quarter. But what ended up happening? We were putting in our second and third units. As well as the Bulls. It wasn't like the Bulls had Zach Levine on, like, Admiral Schofield. I don't think... Schofield didn't even play in this game, but... The Bulls didn't have their starters out. It was second second stringers versus second stringers. Just a lot of random lineups. And we coughed up our 22-point lead. And it didn't seem like a big problem at the beginning because it was such a high lead. I was super happy. Like, I didn't even care what the score was. I was just enjoying the game because... I mean, we started so well, I didn't really care. They just kept inching and inching, and we kept giving up these points. Um, They retook the lead. They took the lead back with, like, two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And it was just out of nowhere. It was complete, like, uh, yeah, I was out of left field, blindsided. I'm shocked they even managed to come back that much in the time they did. Is what like twelve minutes in total since yeah we were up twenty two with two minutes in the third they retook the lead with two minutes in the fourth twelve minutes they erased a twenty two point deficit you got to give them a round of applause for that um their main dude who led them bulls center none other than Simi Shitu he I think he missed only like one or two shots he had. Close to a double double, he was in. He was in double figures for sure, but they took the lead back with two minutes left, and Poku tried to just put the game in his hands. He chucked up like a step back, twenty five foot three. It it was close, and I really loved the heat check that he did there. Um, a little bit short. I I liked it, and then I think he had like a turnover or two so about a minute got erased from the game it was 143 when they got the lead back specifically and no points were scored for like a solid minute the last time like there was a chance for points um there was 24 uh seconds left and that is because one of Poku's turnovers just led to a simple fast break they got an easy two points their lead got, push to 104 to 101 24.7 seconds left frank jackson immediately calls for like off to inbound or whatever and just beelines to the rim and i was i was like getting so pissed off at frank jackson i was like really mad at my tv like what the hell is he doing why would you be driving in for a layup you're down three you clearly need a three i don't know why he'd be driving in he misses it, but there's a super late call. So he got two free throws. He knocked down both of them. 104 to 103, 17 seconds left. He only shed seven, um, seven 7.7 seconds on that. So good time management, I guess. And what do you know? They call a timeout. They have like a perfect inbound play from the looks of it. I think it was like... Archie diacono for them driving in, he, he cut, it was one of their guards, clear path at, at a layup, it seemed like they were going to expand it, out of nowhere, like three Thunder players circle him, one of them got their hand on the ball, and we had a chance to win the game, so what do you know, Frank Jackson calls for it again, he just got done with his little layup, and he charges back for a layup now one of these two layups it was like a he like spun into it and it really did not work i think it even got his defender in a better position but in one of those he spun into a guy it might have been this one spins into the dude does not make the shot no foul call but there's like a scramble for for the rebound so with around four seconds left the ball's loose Everyone's going wild. I think Roby might have had it for a sec, and then ball slips out of his hands. Bulls get it. Um, they get like a loose ball foul off Kendrick Williams. Chandler Hutchinson for them goes to the line. He's actually one of their bigger bench players, so I'm shocked he was playing that far into the game. But it is what it is. Misses the first free throw. Second free throw nails it for the third time. Frank Jackson tries to take over the game. And it's not a bad thing because his shots were not off the mark by much. He calls for it. There's like four or so seconds. First off, they call a timeout and move the ball to half court. Jackson runs behind the half court line to catch the ball and sprints to the right, um, the right wing. He pops like a pull-up three. His foot is barely behind the line. I think it was like almost a bank shot, but the ball rolls around for like what felt like an eternity. It rolls around forever, and he might have had the touch. I think Isaiah Roby might have interfered with the shot. It sure looked like that on the replay, but it was rolling so much on the front iron. It seemed like it might have went in. Maybe it was popping out and Roby was trying to tip it in. Buzzer already sounded, though, so it wouldn't have mattered. Point is, ball in dramatic fashion rolls out, and even though we lost, all you could do was laugh as a Thunder fan. Even, even the Thunder bench, where they had like their arms up over their heads, they were all, they were all kind of laughing about it. I mean, a preseason game. What can you do? There's not a ton to it. Even Jackson kind of cracked a smirk. Just a really fun game to watch, even though we couldn't pull it off. Um, for the Bulls. Some of the highlights um, of this game. Number one, Al Horford. I talked about how he dropped 11 points in that first quarter. He continued. um, In the second quarter, he dropped 6 points. He had 17 points in total. 6 for 9 shooting. And I believe 4 of those um, shots he hit were from beyond the arc. I think he went 4 for 5 from 3 he was left open from the top of the key and he was making everybody pay really bright spot for him 17 points, 8 rebounds along with it just 20 minutes. Baisley posted a double-double in this game now in his first in his uh yeah, in his first preseason game against the Bulls. I really didn't see a lot from him like he played decent but it wasn't like a huge jump. Like you could show me bubble, bubble bays and what what I saw from Wednesday's bays and it wasn't a huge difference. The bays we saw on Friday was super nice. Like there, were, he was he was handling the ball extremely well. He was shooting it fine off the catch and shoot, but in transition, he just absolutely violated Chandler Hutchinson. He fast break one on one. He goes flying in like a foot or two inside the free throw line. Bangs at home with the right hand. Hutchinson falls down. Al Horford's reaction was hilarious. The bench's reaction was even funnier. Poku, he started like waving his arms up in the air. Most of the other guys like they're like smiling and all that, but Poku, his his reaction was super funny. You guys need to look at the replay. But um yeah, that was that was my highlight from the game. And after that, I think that's when the um you know, the lead started shriveling down, but hey, really, only I can, oh, the only thing I can remember were the bright moments, and even the dark moments where Jackson was struggling in, in the last minute, it's fine, I still think, it, it was a great learning experience, and you really can't teach, you really can't, like, teach, and these players can't learn from the practice experiences where there's, you know, the two-minute drills, in-game experience is what you want to see perfect opportunity all the bench guys I'm not sure how often they've been in these spots like in their NBA careers or professional careers but um they got a nice taste of it uh of it here and I think it's going to be really beneficial uh for them so despite losing a lot of good stuff to learn from that game now about immediately a Immediately after this game, I'd say an hour or two later, the Thunder announced that they were waving Admiral Schofield and TJ Leaf. The consensus on Twitter was I, I think for Schofield they weren't as surprised he got cut. A lot of people were surprised TJ Leaf got cut. Now I am not I was not too surprised. I um I made an article actually I'd say like a couple hours before this game, just breaking down some people who I thought needed to really perform well in their final preseason game because I thought, you know, their spots really were not safe. TJ Leaf and Admiral Schofield were both on that list. I think it was for a variety of different reasons, but in particular, I think... The back up power forward and center spot, Mike Muscala really had a stronghold there, and he can play at the 4 or the 5. I thought TJ Leaf needed to impress in his final game. I thought Justin Jackson needed to play well as well because his Wednesday performance was not good. Really, his Friday performance wasn't all that good either, but he's still with us. TJ Leaf is not with us, and I think... You know the stretch for potential with him. Him being a former, highly touted first round pick. I think he was a five star coming out of high school. He was a McDonald's All American, um, uh, in that class as well. He was just super, super high amount of praise. I think even both announcers in the game, Michael Cage, brought up he used to be a coach down in. I think it might have been California, uh, high school basketball. He said he played against Leaf. He looked so good. Chris Fisher hyped him up as well. Um, Sadly, we're not going to hear any more stories about how good TJ Leaf is because he was away from the team. He could have played the four or the five. I think what it came down to is he just didn't fit the mold on our second unit. When I'm thinking of the second unit, I'm thinking of Maladon, Jackson, Isaiah Roby, Mike Muscala, and then you need to find a fifth and final dude to fill out that roster. TJ Leaf doesn't really work with that because um, I think Roby needs to be playing the four. uh, Just in general, I think he needs to be be playing the four. Muscala can play the five. Leaf is not that great of a stretch four. That's really his main deal a uh, solid rebounder but i don't know i really was just not shocked with this move and you have guys like Justin Jackson also fighting for minutes at the four i think he was just given the no- the nod there and it came down to leaf or justin jackson leaf was getting some run um i mean it wasn't like he was just thrown um thrown the middle finger in the final game like he he was playing but I, they just didn't like they didn't like him enough. He's owed um he's owed four point three million dollars this year. It's all guaranteed money, so the Thunder will be having to pay all of that. It's kind of confusing um, that we even traded for him in the first place. We traded Jalen Q and a second round pick for Leaf this past off season. And Lecue's contract. He's a second round or no. He's just an undrafted free agent. So. He was making around 1.7 mil. We traded him, got Leafs 4.3 mil and a second. I think Leaf had a real shot to be on this team. He just didn't he didn't show enough and when it comes down to it, if he was going to be coming off the bench, it would be because he was a great shooter and he just wasn't that for us. So, he um he was given the boot and I think in his in his preseason, he just put up four points, three 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 and a half rebounds, didn't have any assists, and 33% from the field. Wasn't too impressive. Put him in a difficult spot. He was out of there. Now for Admiral Schofield, I really like the idea of Schofield playing for us. Um, but he just wasn't given a chance. He came over to us um, in the... Draft uh draft day deal. I think we got we got the rights to Vit Credshi. He was like the thirty-seventh pick, I believe, and Schofield also came along from Washington, and we gave up our fifty-third pick, Cassius Winston, and a future second. Still a great deal for us, even though Schofield's gone. He just came in, he's a he's a decent shooter, unique build, six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds. I personally saw him as like a a Lou Dort like shooting guard small forward. NBA.com and really everywhere has him as a power forward. So I guess technically he's more of a 3 or a 4, 3 or a 4. So I I don't know. I personally I just thought he was more of a guard um in his preseason games, he did not play well. He didn't even play in any third um, game with us, so I guess it was kind of already determined at that point what his fate would be with the team. In his two games that he did end up playing, he he was out there 26 minutes, super passive. I thought he was going to come out the gate, be like a good screen setter maybe, pick and pop guy, catch and shoot, cut into the basket. Nah, he just sat in the corner and really didn't have any sort of impact on the game. So the fact he got cut, I think he does have some potential, but he didn't prove himself enough to have a spot on this team, so it does make sense. I think um, both Schofield and Leaf, though, have a shot to be signed to a team and be picked off the waivers, particularly Leaf, because we all know the appeal of a stretch four in, in the current landscape of the NBA, super high. Everybody wants a stretch four, and... Maybe you want to take a flyer on Leaf again. Um, it didn't work in Indiana. He wasn't that great with us, but we he only played three games. So is that enough to base his whole season off of? Absolutely not. I think, I think there's going to be some teams calling Leaf. Schofield, um, maybe also him as well people thought like maybe like a g-league situation for him we can't keep him or leave on the g-league we have so much guaranteed money the only guys that we can keep to my knowledge on our g-league um are the people we signed on exhibit 10 deals this past month so off the top of my hand uh, my head i guess antonius cleveland and melvin Fraser jr are the Main two. There might have been some other guys we signed to exhibit tens. Shasan Randall was thrown out there, but I don't know how how true that is that he's on us he's on with us for an exhibit ten. I just know Antonius Cleveland and Melvin Frazier. We do have the rights to Leaf and Schofield we we do not. So bare minimum Schofield's gonna be playing in the G League with someone. Think I could see him in the NBA. TJ Leaf will have his name called, uh, some point into this season, now, um, even with those two moves, we still have 16 players on NBA scale, um, contracts, we need to narrow it to 15, and I made an article, actually, uh, yesterday on just some players who I thought may be fighting for that last potential roster spot, if you want to see the full in-depth, um, article it's kyle singler for mvp.com i know the name's a little weird but trust me it's great i've been working on it um super duper hard got some game breakdowns um from i believe saturday's game just have team news and then you got articles like this and um i just kind of broke down our roster and who may just be on the chopping block And just from first glance, we have a lot of point guards. We have SGA, George Hill, Teo Maladon, Ty Jerome, and Frank Jackson. I see him more as a shooting guard, but he technically is a point guard as well. So you may just expand it to five point guards. Shooting guard, you have Dort, Diallo, Jackson again. He has a little bit of a question mark to him. Small forward, Trevor Ariza, Darius Miller, Roby. And Kendrick Williams, power forward. We have Baisley, Poku, and Justin Jackson. And at center, we have Horford and Muscala. First glance, power forwards and centers—they seem like they're all locked up. Um, Jackson did not play that well in the preseason, but seems like they—they're um, confident they can build up some of his skills from three. He's really just a stretch four. He tried doing a lot of floaters um, in the preseason, and I talked about this in the last podcast. They were not good, and I don't want to see Justin Jackson doing that ever again. He still did it in Friday's game, not as much. Uh, he kind of stopped himself in his first couple minutes from doing it, but he kind of relapsed, and he just had to get a couple in there, you know. And I don't think any of them went in, but hey, you he like to see the effort there. He's trying to do stuff on the inside and the outside, so it is what it is, I think Baisley, Poku, Jackson, Horford, and Muscala, they're all good, SGA, Hill, Maladon, they're good, Dort, Diallo, Jackson, good, Roby, I'd say he's good as well, Um, that leaves a couple of names, and the main three that I highlighted in this article were Kenrich, Williams, Trevor Ariza, and Ty Jerome. Now, with Kendrick Williams, I really liked him in the preseason. Um, we got him in that Steven Adams trade uh, a while ago. We got Darius Miller, we got him, Zylan Cheatham, who's gone, and Joshua Gray, who's also gone. I thought Williams was going to be like an easy cut. I've done multiple roster projections before, and... I've always had Kendrick Williams as like one of the first dudes gone, but I've I've loved what I've seen. He's he's 26, so the timeline doesn't match up perfectly. But he's on a really good deal. He's on a, a minimum. I think it's around 1.6 to 1.7 million he'll be making this year. That is guaranteed. Um, he has two other years. He's on a three-year contract. First year's guaranteed. The last two are not right now. But just coming off the bench as a a decent role player, he does his job just fine. He's an all-around guy, really a glue guy. Um, You put him at three or the four. In our preseason games, um, he was averaging 2.6 points. The shooting percentages were not that great. It was only two for 11 on shooting. He put up three rebounds and 2.6 assists. He also had a steal in just 16.6 minutes so it shows the variety he has in his game and just in his career he's played two seasons uh, with the new orleans pelicans he posted almost five points and five rebounds in those two seasons 4.9 points 4.8 rebounds rounded up you got 5.5 and then he had 1.6 assists as well on defense he had 0.8 steals 0.5 blocks minutes and he's a career 30% from three his jumper looks super clean and without his jump shot personally I really wouldn't care for him but I just really like the potential of him being like a small ball four um with Roby being maybe even the five I know it sounds crazy but they they it was perfect in the preseason. Maladon and Roby were great. Williams, Poku, and Jackson, the other three dudes. That was the, one of the best lineups we saw the whole preseason. And switching out Williams would really hurt. I think if you put Justin Jackson in that role, he would not fit it. Um, really, anyone... I'd say Baisley would be a good a good player in that area, but no one else... Williams is a perfect glue guy for that um that lineup and I hope that uh the coaching staff realizes that and wants to keep him around because I don't know how many minutes he really will be playing if he stays on our team but he just gives us some roster flexibility because he is a solid 3 and a 4 on defense I'd say the only knock is he does have fouling issues nothing really that serious outside of that so his potential's not that high, but he's on a cheap contract and he can he can really help you out with some of these uh niche niche lineups like the one I just listed and it was one of our best our best rosters thus far. I think that should really have a, a big name to it and Williams was a was a really a key factor, believe it or not, in that lineup. I wanna see more of him. Hopefully they keep him around but just the fact he's 26 he's on a relatively cheap deal it could put him in a spot where the team looks to move him now with Trevor Ariza it's a way different situation like we all know Trevor Ariza is not like he's he's one of the top 15 players on our roster probably top 10 and at the small forward he probably is our best small forward But the thing with him is we just don't know when he's going to return with the team. Um, Even in the bubble, he's been dealing with family issues. And um, it it just continued to drag on. Completely understandable. The Thunder is right behind him. But we just don't know when he's going to be back. We do know when he does return, his role would be huge. But... If we just don't know how long he's going to be there, and we love the rest of our players on the roster, Ariza could be the one to go. And it it may not be like a wave. It could just be trading him for a second-round pick or something like that. He's on a really good expiring contract. $12.8 million, that's not something to mess around with. And teams hunting and looking for extra room to work with in the 2021 free agency we'll look at Ariza as a target and if we are you know getting offers right now on him there may be a couple teams that bite the bullet right now and say sure because that money would be gone if we waived him If we waived him, he would be a major buyout contract player. We've already heard reports the Lakers want him to reunite um, if he were to be bought out. But I think realistically, if Ariza is gone, it's through some sort of trade because there is real value in that expiring deal. And maybe we just want to stick around with him because he will be a solid veteran for us and he could be that that small forward we want, but, I don't know, if, if they're just in love with everybody else, and there's an offer to get Ariza gone, Sam Presti may just, may just take that shot and get rid of him. Now, my third dude, Ty Jerome, this one, it was a little bit hard to put him on, but I feel like, I feel like it kind of does make a tad bit of sense. Jerome has just not impressed very much so far in his career he's entering his sophomore season in his rookie campaign with the Suns, he was expected to be a good passer and a good shooter in college um, with Virginia he was a 39 percent three-point shooter he was only a 28 percent three-point shooter in his rookie season and he was he was getting minutes passing wise he was great He's six foot five so he can play at the point guard and the shooting guard spot, but just looking at the roster, I don't know if we need we need him playing at the point guard or shooting guard. Originally, I would have said, yeah, Jerome will would have been playing rotational minutes, but Frank Jackson has played extremely well, and Teo Maladon has played extremely, extremely well. Both of those players will be getting huge minutes. George Hill, but as when, while he's on the team, he'll be getting minutes. Where does Jerome kind of fit in? I think the point guard's kind of already situated. Where he'd be getting his minutes is at the two guard, and Jackson's splitting time there. Diallo's playing there, Dort's playing there. I just don't see him carving out a huge role off the bench, and it sucks because he just never had an opportunity with us. He was out all three preseason games. There was never an indication as to why. Um you really can't make any assumptions as to why, but he just wasn't there. Schofield didn't play his last game and he got moved. You could give up a little conspiracy like maybe Jerome's also gone. I'm not taking that. I just I just think there was some other reason that they just didn't describe. Jerome's a good uh, project player, but we just have so many projects at the point guard and shooting guard, he may just have a hard time finding minutes. So, even though he's a good project, he could be the one to get let loose just due to not having a chance to see the court. Now, a fourth dude who was brought up, and I really appreciate this comment, um, I'll respond to any comments I get on my articles, guys. It was from Benoit Blanc uh, Blanc. Sorry if I butchered your name there, but he uh, he brought up Darius Miller and it's a great point. Originally I had Darius Miller as one of these names. It was categorized as like small forward veterans. I wanna narrow it down to three. So I had Miller off there, I was like, eh, whatever. He makes a great case so Miller's already thirty years old, he just came off an injury I don't, there's not a ton of value there. However, he said that Areza does have some sort of value. That's true. And then Kendrick and Ty, they're on small deals. They're locked up for three years. That's a great point. And I will say, I have to agree with him. Miller's on a $7 million expiring. So my thought is he technically could get moved. You're not going to get as much as you're getting for Ariza, hypothetically, even if there even is a deal for Ariza. Miller, it's just a little bit of a smaller expiring. Someone, someone may may take him, give us like a um, a minimum contract we can immediately waive, attach a second or something. But that's really what a package would be for Miller. Um, but outside of that, does he really have a ton of value with us? I don't know. It's not as much as uh a Reese's value would be. So you do have to throw Darius Miller in there and I really appreciate this comment. This is the first comment I have gotten, so it does mean a lot. Uh I used to have like a, a little Minecraft uh channel going on for a bit and I remember the first couple comments meant a ton. Feels like one of those moments. Really appreciate the comment, man. And it's a great point um and just because that I had to bring Darius Miller up so those are uh, four players that very well could be the last cut from the team whether it be just waving or or trade so yeah definitely look out for those four names um Kendrick Williams Ariza Ty Jerome and Darius Miller anyways guys Thank you for listening to the podcast. I will try to get another one out to you guys soon. But other than that, thank you for listening, and I will talk to y'all next time. See ya.